Hello, everyone. Welcome back to yet another episode of the Alternate Oscars. I am your host, as always, Gabe Warren, and with every episode, I, along with a special guest, will be celebrating and awarding our favorite films of every year starting in 1928. We will discuss our brief thoughts on each film we nominate and comment on the actual Oscar here and um, some fun details on the ceremony. A few rules we always follow. We'll be strictly following the reminder list of eligible releases. Those can be found on the website and the Oscar goes too. Joining me today will be returning guest Emily blakowski Malik, author of the book reviews by A Chick Who Reads Everything website. Welcome back to the show, Emily. Oh, thank you, Gabe, for having me on. By the way, just, just out of curiosity, are you going to have a five-timers club by any chance? Maybe you haven't thought about that. No, that's all right. Just, just throwing it out there. Um... So, um, how how has your day been? How are you doing today? Oh, I've been doing good. Uh, Yeah, I just had a game night, and so I was just having a lot of fun and even telling my friends of the films I had watched for this year, and for good and for worse. Yes. That sounds like a lot of fun. So, today we're going to be talking about the films of 1952. And I think a good place to start would be to ask, what were your favorite films of each year, of this year, that were not eligible? This can be any film that was that was released in 1952, but was not on the reminder list of eligible releases for this year. That was really tough, because a lot of the films I watched were eligible, all but one. And that was Limelight. And that is, I don't really watch, a, I haven't watched a whole lot of Charlie Chaplin films, but... This one was really entertaining. I mean, I mean, it didn't need to be as long as it is, but it was really fun and I, I really enjoyed it. And especially seeing the uh, darker side of the fame and how uh, Charlie Chaplin's character deals with a lot of ageism and also the mental health of the ballerina too. Nice, I've heard a lot of uh, pretty great things about that film and I look forward to eventually getting to that. Um, I guess I would technically count um, the all my uh, nominees for Best International Film, which I'll reveal when we go down the line. Mm-hmm. But I can't really think of any besides those. Right. Maybe there were some that appeared on event like later on, but I don't know. But um, I guess now we're going to jump into our list of nominees. So as usual, we start with the last category, special effects, and with the first best picture, and we take turns announcing our nominees with the guests going first. So we're gonna start off with special effects. Would you like to take it away, Emily? Of course, Gabe. Don't mind if I do. All right. My nominees for Best Special Effects are The Fall of Berlin, The Greatest Show on Earth, Hans Christian Andersen, The Miracle of Our Lady Fatima, and Plymouth Adventure. Nice. Um, my nominees are The Greatest Show on Earth, Hans Christian Andersen, 
The Miracle of Our Lady Fatima, Pandora and the Flying Dutchman, and Plymouth Adventure. Nice, four out of five. That's awesome. Yeah. So next we have Best Film Editing. All right. My nominees for Best Film Editing are The Beauty of the Devil, Come Back Little Sheba, The Greatest Show on Earth, High Noon, and The Member of the Wedding. Interesting. I have Five Fingers, High Noon, Pandora and the Flying Dutchman, The Quiet Man, and Singing in the Rain. Ah, some good ones there. Yeah, Singing in the Rain was very close. My runner-up, like, sixth place was probably Rashomon, but I wanted to make room for some other films that I don't have represented elsewhere. Ah, that makes sense. So next we have Best Makeup and Hairstyling. All right, my nominees for Best Makeup and Hairstyling are The Fall of Berlin, The Greatest Show on Earth, High Noon, Les Miserables, and Singing in the Rain. Nice. I have The Greatest Show on Earth, Moulin Rouge, and Pandora and the Flying Dutchman. So I only have three nominees. I see. Oh, pretty cool. Very cool. So next we have Best Costume Design. All right. My nominees for Best Costume Design are The Bad and the Beautiful, Come Back Little Sheba, Hans Christian Andersen, Moulin Rouge, and Singing in the Rain. Nice. Um, I have Moulin Rouge, My Cousin Rachel, Carrie, Singing in the Rain, and Sudden Fear. Sudden Fear was very close on mine. I think it had to be one of the runner-ups. I also considered um, Pandora and the Flying Dutchman. The theme here is Great Gowns, Beautiful Gowns. Ah, yes. Which, speaking of gowns, beautiful gowns, I give a special shout-out to With a Song in My Heart, specifically the dress that Susan Hayward wears in uh, the first performance after the plane crash. I want that pink dress. I really want that pink dress. (laughs) So next we have Best Color Cinematography. All right. All right. For my nominees for Best Color Cinematography are Hans Christian Andersen, Million Dollar Mermaid, Moulin Rouge, The Quiet Man, and Singing in the Rain. And my nominees are Moulin Rouge, Pandora and the Flying Dutchman, The Prisoner of Zenda, The Quiet Man, and Singing in the Rain. Ooh, you managed to get a, just like, like three out of, three out of five. That's awesome. Yeah. And interestingly, there were two um, Technicolor swashbuckler films that starred um, um, uh, some British um, lad. Um, I'm going to look him up right now. Like, he's so forgettable, I'm forgetting his name. Stuart Granger. Um, Yeah, he 
he was just there throughout the 40s and 50s, it seems. There, so whenever Robert Taylor wasn't available. <laughs> oh, dear. <laughs> you know, I thought about Ivanhoe for uh, Best Color Cinematography, mainly because of how the siege scene uh, influenced uh, the uh, Battle of Helm's Deep and uh, Two Towers, but it's like, I don't know. I remember just kind of laughing at it through a good chunk of it, <laughs> but it was still memorable. <laughs> So next we have Best Black and White Cinematography. All right. So my nominees for Best Black and White Cinematography are The Bad and the Beautiful, High Noon, The Narrow Margin, Rashomon, and Sudden Fear. Nice. I have the same five, except instead of The Narrow Margin, I have My Cousin Rachel. So that's the bad and the beautiful, high noon, my cousin Rachel, Rashomon, and sudden fear. Awesome. Four out of five. That's great. Yeah, I've not seen my cousin Rachel. I was I was so close, but uh, no, I usually, like I said before, I usually get my DVDs from the library, and this one would have taken a while for him to get. So but I still watched over like 30 films for this. So it's an underrated movie, and um, we'll be to have Richard, uh, Richard Burton are both great, and they both show up here, but that's for later. Ah, uh, I had a feeling that you would put Richard Burton on there. So next we have Best Art Direction. All right. My nominees for Best Art Direction are The Beauty of the Devil, Hans Christian Andersen, Moulin Rouge, The Quiet Man, and Viva Zapata. Nice. So I have The Bad and the Beautiful, My Cousin Rachel, The Quiet Man, Rashomon, and Singing in the Rain. Ooh, so many good ones. I feel like, I swear, it's like this year was so good in like costume design and production design. It was really hard to actually choose because I know at one point I had uh, Rashomon on my list, but of course that became a runner up along with Singing in the Rain. Yeah, there surprisingly a lot of great films to choose from in 1952. Mm-hmm. Oh, definitely. So next we have Best Sound Recording. All right. My nominees for Best Sound Recording are High Noon, The Jazz Singer, Million Dollar Mermaid, Singing in the Rain, and With a Song in My Heart. Nice. I have Breaking the Sound Barrier, Five Fingers, High Noon, The Quiet Man, and Singing in the Rain. Two out of five. Not bad. And next we have Best Original Song. Ah, this is going to be a very fun one. My nominees for Best Original Song are I Fear Nothing from Jack and the Beanstalk, the King's New Clothes from Hans Christian Andersen, Do Not Forsake Me, Oh My Darling from High Noon, The Merry Go Run Around from Road to Bali, and Make Them Laugh from Singing in the Rain. Nice. So I have Am I in Love from Son of Pale Face, 
Do Not Forsake Me, Oh My Darling from High Noon. Mary Go Run Around from Road to Bali. Make Him Laugh from Singing in the Rain. And Thumbelina from Hans Christian Andersen. Oh, that's a good choice. Yeah, I had thought about putting Thumbelina on there. It's like, I personally, I just think it's a little too saccharine for my taste, even though it's clearly understandable. But to be fair, any of those songs from Hans Christian Andersen was going to end up on the nominations list. So next we have Best Original Score. All right. My nominees for Best Original Score are High Noon, The Miracle of Our Lady Fatima, The Quiet Man, Singing in the Rain, and Viva Zapata. I have the Bad and Beautiful, High Noon, Pandora and the Flying Dutchman, The Quiet Man, and Viva Zapata. Ooh, very nice. Three out of five. So next we have Best Cartoon Short Film. All right. So my nominees for Best Cartoon Short Film are Johan Mouse, Rabbit Seasoning, and The Romance of Transportation in Canada. I have, my nominees are Johan Mouse, Little Johnny Jet, Madeline, and The Romance of Transportation in Canada. Ooh, very nice. You have four nominees now. Yeah. It was a good year for, uh, for cartoons. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So next, we have Best International Film. All right. My nominees for Best International Film are The Beauty of the Devil, The Fall of Berlin, and Rashomon. Nice. I have Forbidden Games from France, Ikaru from Japan, and Umberto D from Italy. Oh, nice. Oh, yeah, I forgot to uh, mention mine. Uh, the Beauty of the Beauty of the Devil is from France and Italy. The Fall of Berlin is from Russia, Soviet Union, and Rashomon from Japan. Nice. So I oh oh um next we have best adapted screenplay. So stumbling on my words. I know I I just had to repeat the country, so it's like <laughs> I forgot to do that. <laughs> All right. So my nominees for best adapted screenplay are The Bad and the Beautiful, Carrie, Come Back Little Sheba, High Noon, and Rashomon. I have as my nominees The Bad and the Beautiful, High Noon, The Man in the White Suit, The Quiet Man, and Rashomon. Ah, three out of five. Yay. Next, we have Best Original Screenplay. All right. My nominees for Best Original Screenplay are The Fall of Berlin, The Lavender Hill Mob, The Narrow Margin, Pat and Mike, and Singing in the Rain. Nice. Good lineup. I have as my nominees Pat and Mike, 
Pandora and the Flying Dutchman, The Lavender Hob, The Young and the Damned, and Singing in the Rain. Nice. Three out of five. Perfect. Next, we are into the acting categories, starting with Best Supporting Actress. This is where it's going to get very good on this one. All right. My nominees for Best Supporting Actress are Ethel Waters in The Member of the Wedding, Katie Harado in High Noon, Gene Hagen in Singing in the Rain, Gloria Graham in Sudden Fear, and Thelma Ritter in With a Song in My Heart. Nice. So, my nominees are Anne Bancroft in Don't Bother to Knock, Katie Gerardo in High Noon, Joan Greenwood in The Man in the White Suit, Gene Hagen in Singing in the Rain, and Gloria Graham in Sudden Fear. Nice. Note how we did not nominate Gloria Graham for The Bad and the Beautiful. I'm sure yeah. we'll get to talk about that. <laughs> Yeah, we'll get to that. Mm-hmm. So next we have Best Supporting Actor. Oh, man. I have to, I'm just going to preface with this. I kind of had a tough time with nominating my Best Supporting Actors. There were so many good ones that, that I mean, there were some that I, they're on the list at one point, but now they're runner-ups. But I'm confident with this list, so... Here it goes. My nominees for Best Supporting Actor are Michelle Simeon from The Beauty of the Devil, James Stewart in The Greatest Show on Earth, Robert Newton in Les Miserables, Donald O'Connor from Singing in the Rain, and Jack Palance in Sudden Fear. Nice. That's a good lineup. So... My nominees are Stanley Holloway in The Lavender Hellmob, Richard Burton in My Cousin Rachel, Barry Fitzgerald in The Quiet Man, Donald O'Connor in Singing in the Rain, and Jack Palance in Sun Beer. Ah, uh, nice. I had Stanley Holloway and Barry Fitzgerald on my uh, runner ups. They were just so good, but just so missing the list. You see why it was so so hard to pick only five of the best supporting actors? Yeah. So next we have best leading actress. The one that matters. You got that right. (laughs) All right, here it goes. My nominees for best actress are Lana Turner in The Bad and the Beautiful, Shirley Booth in Come Back Little Sheba, Julie Harris in A Member of the Wedding, Maureen O'Hara in The Quiet Man, and Joan Crawford in Sudden Fear. Nice. And my nominees, I said I had someone in here, but I had to make a last minute cut on, on impulse, so certain someone might not be here that I already said, but my nominees are Shirley Booth in Come Back from Shiba. Ethel Waters in The Member of the Wedding, Joan Crawford in Possessed, Maureen O'Hara in The Quiet Man, and Debbie Reynolds in Singing in the Rain. Ah, 
Debbie Reynolds was probably sixth on my list. It's she was just so close. But shout out to her for keeping up with Gene Kelly and Donald O'Connor, particularly in the Good Morning number. Shout out. But yeah, I do also find it interesting that you put uh, Ethel Waters as a as leading actress. Yeah, I did. Um, when I watched the movie, I did consider her a lead. Hmm. Okay. Because I kind of consider her more supporting because she was kind of more of a supporting character who just happened to have a lot of backstory. Ah, understandable. So next we have Best Leading Actor. All right. My nominations for Best Leading Actor are Kirk Douglas in The Bad and the Beautiful, Lawrence Olivier in Carrie, Gary Cooper in High Noon, Alec Guinness in The Lavender Hill Mob, and Gene Kelly in Singing in the Rain. And my nominees are Canada Lee in Cries of Beloved Country, Gary Cooper in High Noon, Alec Guinness in The Lavender Hill Mob, Toshiro Mifune in Rashomon, and Gene Kelly in Singing in the Rain. Nice. Three out of five. That's awesome. And next we have Best Director. All right. Now, this one is going to be very interesting, and you'll see why. My nominations for Best Director are Vincent Minnelli in The Bad and the Beautiful, Cecil B. DeMille in The Greatest Show on Earth, Fred Zinneman for High Noon, John Ford for The Quiet Man, and Stanley Donnan and Gene Kelly for Singing in the Rain. Nice. My nominees are Charles Crichton for The Lavender Hill Mob, Fred Zinneman for High Noon, John Ford for The Quiet Man, Akira Kurosawa for Rashomon, and Gene Kelly and Stanley Donnan for Singing in the Rain. Ah, perfect. Three out of five. Still awesome. And next we have Best Picture. All right. It's a big one. I know. This is going to be very juicy. All right. My nominees for Best Picture are The Bad and the Beautiful, Come Back Little Sheba, High Noon, Singing in the Rain, and The Quiet Man. Nice. And my nominees are High Noon, The Lavender Hill Mob, The Quiet Man, Rashomon, and Singing in the Rain. Nice. Three out of five. I like yeah. a lot of three out of fives uh, for this one. Yeah, I'd have to agree. Mm-hmm. So now I guess it's time to announce our winners. And as usual, we um uh, uh start with the last category, special effects, and with the first one, best picture. And we take turns announcing our winners with the guests going first. All right, don't mind if I do. Get a little drum roll, please. My winner for best special effects is 
Plymouth Adventure. Mainly nice. through that uh, storm scene, which, I mean, the film itself is not, I mean, I guess it's just too dull to be more of an adventure, but at least the storm scene at least was somewhat worth it. I mean, with all the realistic uh, water being splashed in people's faces and like you really had the sense that they're really in danger. Nice. So, um, my winner for best special effects, and my winner is Pandora and the Flying Dutchman. Ooh, nice. And next, we have best film editing. All right. My winner for best film editing is High Noon. That the Academy was right on there. I mean, had to go with the Academy's choice on that one. Oh, so good with the editing, especially uh, when the train comes and the clock strikes noon, and you just have the montage of almost every character just pacing. In fact, I was just watching that scene earlier today and just, I love how it just cuts like on every downbeat, just how much it's in sync with the music. It's like, oh. (sighs) And my winner is, for best film editing, my winner is High Noon. With that, we agree. Yes, see? The Academy can actually choose films for best editing. They're actually really good at editing. And next we have best makeup and hairstyling. All right. My winner for best makeup and hairstyling is Singing in the Rain. And such a good choice. I know everyone just looks so good. Even the men look good. Like the women's hairs are just wonderful and very much 1920s. Just love it. And my choice for. Sorry, I'm blanking. Um, my choice for best makeup and hairstyling is Moulin Rouge. Ooh, very nice. Ooh, very good choice on that one. And next we have best costume design. Oh, no. The winner of best costume design for me is Singing in the Rain. I mean, and for... Oh, sorry. You go ahead, you go ahead. I love all the costumes there. And of course, the design by the wonderful Walter Plunkett. And in fact, he designed like, I believe it was like over 500 costumes for this film. Like he hadn't designed as much since Gone with the Wind. But a lot of those costumes are just amazing to look at. Just so 20s and uh, even like the men's costumes. Shout out to the men's costumes. They are just to a T and very accurate for the time. And for best costume design, my winner is Singing in the Rain. Yay! Oh, awesome. 
So next, we have Best Color Cinematography. All right. My winner for Best Color Cinematography is The Quiet Man. Uh, I just love how uh, John, or, or at least uh, John Ford has the film photographed with just the beautiful Irish fields and just everything being a nice luscious green. I mean, it's partly probably the same reason why I had uh, She Wore a Yellow Ribbon from the 1949 episode win. But it's also like, I feel like this, the excuse to show off all the locations is far more justified because it's, it's about this guy, this American guy who comes to Ireland, his birthplace, and he's just discovering Ireland like a lot of Americans are, or at least ones with, especially those with Irish descent. And it's just so beautiful to look at. And I'm gonna be honest, I do have a bit of a bias. I studied abroad in Ireland back in 2014 and I can tell you that, yes, it does. It really captures the beauty of Ireland. The film really does. And so well done, The Quiet Man. Nice. So, oh yeah, that sounds exciting and everything, but. Yeah, there's so many places to explore, and Ireland sounds like a nice place to be in. Oh, but my winner for best color cinematography, I also have to go with Quiet Man. Yes. Oh, yes. That's wonderful. Yeah. I mean, so I went in Ireland during the winter when the fields were a nice luscious brown. But as the uh, weather got a little warmer, it turned into the green that a lot of us often picture Ireland with. And they mainly shot on the west coast of Ireland, which normally has those fields. And I was over there and it's, I can tell you, it's, it's wonderful to be at. Like watching the film just made me want to frolic there all over again. So next we have Best Black and White Cinematography. All right. My winner for Best Black and White Cinematography is... High Noon! Oh. The cinematography nice. is just wonderful. Just how gritty it looks, grainy. And I also have to give a special shout out to that crane shot that... Uh, that reveals how uh, Will Kane is all alone in the town and yet he still soldiers on. It's just beautiful, absolutely beautiful. And my winner for best black and white cinematography, it's gotta be Rashomon. Ooh, nice. So, um, and Rashomon because it, it just looks beautiful. It's so gorgeous. I can't believe how gorgeous it looks. Yeah, it really is. I mean, considering that's also one of the first films to use the handheld camera and use it very effectively, it's like, of course. For, at least in that way, revolutionizing how films were made. Yeah. 
And next we have best um, art direction. All right. My winner for best art direction is The Quiet Man. Oh. Nice. That's yeah, a great choice. I love it. I mean, again, it comes from the bias of studying abroad there. But it's like when I was watching it, like I had watched it twice. So once before going to Ireland and then most recently years after being in Ireland. And I can tell you that even when you can clearly tell that they're on a soundstage as opposed to on location, just the amount of detail they put into the thatch roof cottages is unbelievable. Like it just makes you feel like you're in those cottages right there on the, in the Connemara region. I mean, even down to what kind of plates they use in the cabinets. Yes, I was looking that much in details, but it does evoke that kind of uh, feeling when of Ireland, no matter how stereotypical it is, but it just evokes that feeling of it when you're watching The Quiet Man. Yeah, that, no, yeah that, though, mm, that's a lot of great points. And, but I went for something different. My winner has got to be Singing in the Rain. Hey, still a great choice. It's basically the consummate showbiz movie. Like, everyone else can just go home after that. <laughs> Especially if you want to show off all the sets that you have in your fake movies, then absolutely. Oh, that's wonderful. I think that probably would have been my... Uh, uh, but definitely a runner-up for uh, our best art direction. And next we have best sound recording. All right. My winner for best sound recording is Singing in the Rain. Oh. For a film that is about the love letter to the early sound era of Hollywood, it really takes that kind of sound, like really does it really well. Not only with poking fun at how Hollywood had a hard time grasping it. I mean, specifically when they do the uh, preview for the Dueling Cavalier and how every possible sound thing goes wrong. I mean, I was laughing my butt off on that. It's, it's just wonderful. And also using the sound now, especially during the make them laugh number, it just blows my mind of how much the sound department was really able to keep up with Donald O'Connor as he's like, especially dealing with the dummy, like passing the arm around and just making all those silly effects. Oh yes, and also the lips where he's going, brr, 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 Oh, it was fantastic. So it's just wonderful. So great job singing in the rain. Nice. And yeah, agreed on all that. And my winner for sound recording has got to be singing in the rain. Yay! Um, I can't go much into explanation because there's not much I know I could say. It's just fantastic all across the board. 
Oh, definitely. I love how we've been uh, a lot of the time matching up with winners. Fantastic. So next we have best original song. All right. My winner for best original song is the Academy's decision of Do Not Forsake Me, Oh My Darling from High Noon. And as much as I like that song, I go with a different winner. Make Him Laugh from Singing in the Rain. Oh, nice. Yeah, Make Him Laugh was very, very, it was like number two. But I had to go with Do Not Forsake Me, Oh My Darling, because it's just a very weird song. It's almost anti-show tune. Because like, if you look at a lot of the nominations and even winners of past best original songs, a lot of them tended to be like, tunes which is nothing wrong with that but knowing how we process a lot of like songs and movies like like you know how like the songs where you describe the plot of the movie like we take those for granted i can understand how do not forsake me oh my darling was such kind of a novelty not only because it describes the plot of the movie it outlines the main conflict and it also establishes the palpably experimental tone of the film with its very odd-sounding production, but it still is a Western ballad. And so for paving the way for other movie songs to come, thank you. Do not forsake me, oh my darling. Yeah, definitely. Um, so next we have best original score. Ooh. So, my winner for Best Original Score is also with the Academy's decision of High Noon. As I love the uh, score, not only that it does uh, like, inter- like really include uh, melodies of Do Not Forsake Me, Oh My Darling, but just the music when the, when the clock strikes noon and the train comes, and just how much tension is in there. It's just wonderful. I just love it so much. Oh. And my winner for original score is where I have to agree with the Academy's choice as well and give it to High Noon. Yay! And next... We have Best Cartoon Short Film. All right. My winner for Best Cartoon Short Film is Johan Mouse, The Academy's Decision. It's just such a wonderful Tom and Jerry cartoon and just how much they put in so much uh, Johan Strauss in there and just did them a few times where they actually work together. It's wonderful. I love it. And my winner is also Johan Mouse. Yay! So next we have Best International Film. All right. My winner for Best International Film is... Rashomon! Nice. Yeah. And my winner is... 
Ikaru. Ooh. I don't think I've seen Ikaru. It's worth a rewatch. Um, if you feel it's been a while, like it's such a, a heart wrenching movie. Ooh, nice. <sighs> so wonderful. But yeah, Rashomon, uh, I mean, for basically being the film that introduced Japanese cinema to the Western audience, it's and getting the name of Akira Kurosawa out there is just wonderful. And also for in, for coin, part of the movie inspiring the phrase the Rashomon effect. Uh, it's just wonderful. Like everything about that film is just wonderful. So next we have Best Adapted Screenplay. All right. Well, my winner for Best Adapted Screenplay is High Noon. Nice. A great choice. But my winner has to be Rashomon. Ah, great choices, great choices all around. Not much to say much about High Noon, yeah. and it's just a very compelling story, and that's been paid homage to and parodied for for within the last 70 years, and you can easily see why it's just a man who's a basically forced to fight alone. So next we have best original screenplay. All right. My winner for best original screenplay is The Lavender Hill Mob. Just for the concept alone and how much the uh, guy who wrote this actually consulted with the Bank of England of how to actually rob the Bank of England. <laughs> it's insane to think about. And it's like, you know, for all that hard work, yes, you win this. So, um, next we have, oh, first off, my winner. My winner is Singing in the Rain. Woo! Nice. Yeah, that was very close for me. Oh. So next we have Best Supporting Actress. Oh, man. Now we got, we're going to get into the very juicy stuff. The juicier, the better. All right. My winner for Best Supporting Actress is... Gene Hagen from Singing in the Rain. What's the idea? <laughs> and uh, I have to co-sign her. Gene Hagen is also my winner. I, she's just fantastic in that film. I mean, just the voice of Mo just would make me want to nominate her. Yes, I know she's like the bad guy and everything. It's like, in a way, you kind of have to feel bad for her because it's like, she's told not to speak as a way of like protecting her image, but all she wants to do is control that image and she can't because she's got that really uh, <laughs> ugly voice. <laughs> she just 
it's just great. I love it. <sighs> and my winner is also Gene Hagen. Mm-hmm. Yay! Oh wait, wait. Oh, uh, did I already say that? Oh, sorry. Uh, That's right. She's just that good that you have to announce her name twice. Yeah, yeah. Lost track. Oh, we're we're on supporting actor now. <laughs> okay. Mm-hmm. My winner for best supporting actor is Donald O'Connor for Singing in the Rain. Ah, oh, so much fun. I mean, make a laugh just. That just sold me on him. Just overall his performance and just so many prat balls and just just beautiful. I just love it. <sighs> and my winner is Stanley Holloway in the Lavender Hill Mob. Ah, that's awesome. <sighs> Next we have Best Leading Actress. Again, the big one that matters. Indeed it does. I co-sign on that. And my winner for Best Leaning Actress is the Academy's choice of Shirley Booth in Come Back Little Sheba. She is just absolutely wonderful and I just love how she just portrays this character who is kind of like denying the reality that her not only her dog is totally messing but also her husband is also kind of like is is struggling to stay on the wagon and also like the even just the little moments where she's just spying on uh, Marie and Turk is just it's just so much of a dynamic role for Shirley Booth and I think this was her first film and she's a re- and she's reprising the role that she did on Broadway and I think she got a Tony and now she has an Oscar for it. So good job, Shirley. And my winner for Best Actress has to be Maureen O'Hara for The Quiet Man. Ooh, great choice on that. As great as Shirley Booth is. O'Hara is all I've got to go with. Yeah, I can see that. And next we have Best Leading Actor. All right. My winner for Best Leading Actor is Gary Cooper in High Noon, The Academy's Decision. And I also have to co-sign, going with Gary Cooper for High Noon. Yes. And the the funny thing is, I was just thinking about this earlier. He didn't need another Oscar, although he had gotten one for Sergeant York, but this is the one he deserves. Yeah. We could have taken away his Sergeant York Oscar and then just have him win for High Noon. Exactly. Would be better off. I mean, I haven't seen Sergeant Dork, so I can't really say, but I can say... It's not good. You're not listening much. Okay. Fair enough. But it's to say, when I was watching it, I got Gary Cooper. I got the stoicism, the method acting, and to think that in the 30s and 40s, like he was one of the early proponents of method acting, 
and you see everything that he had represented culminate into his performance in Hainu. It's just a wonderful, it's almost like he makes it almost too simple. It's like, it's too easy, but it's, it's in a way, it's like, act, that's why acting is a very hard profession to make it believable, but you believe of what Will Kane is going through. Everything that he does, if he's afraid, he is afraid. Determined, he is determined. And it's just wonderful. So good job, Gary Cooper. You deserve it. And um, did I say that I have Gary Cooper as my... Yes, you did. Also, all right, just want to be sure. I know, after that long rant. <laughs> yeah. So we are now on to Best Director. All right. My winner for Best Director is Vincent Minnelli for The Bad and the Beautiful. It was a... Interesting. I know, because I had I had thought about another person, but it's like, at the end of the day, I was really taken in by how much Vincent Minnelli was... Every little decision that he made was to give the agency of the three main characters in there and to reinforce that it is their stories to tell. Whether it's like the angles they use, the shots, the perspectives they use. I was, I was very impressed. And for such a, for a film that is, from what I understand is like underrated in the Vincent Minnelli discography, more people should go see it. So especially for Vincent Minnelli's direction. So good job, Vincent. And for my winner, I go with Gene Kelly and Stanley Donid for Singing in the Rain. Nice. Good choice on that one. And next, the big one, Best Picture. All right. Ooh, this is going to be the fun one. All right. I mean, not like the other ones were fun, but this is the funnest. So my winner for best picture is the one that the Academy should have won and just awarded in 1952, High Noon. Nice. A great choice that um, signifies the growing opposition to the blacklists and the Red Scare and House on American Activities Community and shows a shifting tide. Without, without making an easier out or, be, or being too preachy, it gets it right. But as great as that film is, I have to go with the musical, Singing in the Rain. Singing in the rain, just singing in the rain. Although I have to admit, that was my second choice. And to say that is my favorite film in 1952, but I had to go with High Noon because that is the one that deserved that award. <sighs> so that was amazing. Oh. So, first off, before we get to, like, the actual Oscar winner for all of these, 
do we want to talk about some of these films that we recognize that um some people may know less about? Um I would love to. For example, I um recognized in a few categories Pandora and the Flying Dutchman, which if you know Zeta Short on Twitter, that's one of her favorite movies. Oh nice. I've not seen that one, but from what I understand, it's supposed to be really, really good. Yeah, it is. I'd argue it's underrated. And James Mason and Ava Gardner have great chemistry. It really makes good use of that um, legend. And um, Jack Cardiff um, is a cinematographer. It's gorgeous. Everything about it just looks gorgeous. Nice. Very nice. Yeah, so... So I understand, like, I had actually given The Bad and The Beautiful actually more nominations than it actually got. And it's not like it's an underrated film. I would actually call it The Dark Horse of 1952. As in, it doesn't really get talked about a whole lot, but when it does, people will swim through it and will we'll, we'll swarm to it and will just be like, oh my God, this film is so good. But seriously, the film is definitely worth the hype and not just for like the costumes and the art direction that it initially won at the Oscars, but I think a lot of the performances are really on point, really convey their characters very well. So yes, if, if there's a film that uh, you haven't seen in the Vincent Mentally discography, chances are it's, well, Maybe if you haven't seen Bad and the Beautiful, go ahead and watch it. And borrowing a uh, phrase from, I believe it's Dashiell Silva. I want to say Daniel Silva, but I'm definitely going to be wrong on there. Dashiell Silva. Dashiell Silva. Yes, he he had talked about it earlier, and I'm going to borrow a phrase from him. Watch uh, Lana Turner actressing uh, throughout the Yes. Ah, actressing. In the car. The power of actressing. Yes, exactly. Power of actressing. But I also gave Canada Lee a nomination for Pride of Beloved Country. And that was one where they had to... The filmmakers almost risked being um, arrested due to the rules of apartheid at the time. What? And the stars, Canada Lee and Sidney Poitier. And it is a great early adaptation of this novel. And Canada Lee, who I think he died shortly after this movie was released, but this is a great send-off for him. Great performance. That's wonderful. Absolutely wonderful. And another film that I had actually given some nominations to is The Beauty of the Devil. And that is actually a retelling of Faust. And I love like a lot of the fairy tale elements of it, even with the costumes and with the uh, production, specifically with the production sign, especially when you go into uh, the Faustian character, when he's a retired professor and you have all this room with full of books where it's like he just reads so, so many books that he's not actually able to enjoy life. Like he just, he wasted his youth reading all those books. And just the performances of, uh, uh, Michelle Simeon, as well as uh, Gerard Felipe, 
And yes, I understand that Gerard Philippe is very hot and which I co-sign on. He looks like what would have happened if uh, Michael Sheen was a uh, model. It's, uh, but it is a wonderful film that is, can be very over the top, but it's appropriately over the top. So, um, I guess next, uh, do we want to talk about the real best picture winner from this year? Oh, Gabe, I've been waiting for this for the last few months, and I'm sure the listeners have too. Well, I might as well get my lion tamer whip out of here. Let's do this. Greatest show on earth. You go first. I guess the best way to say it is this is an enjoyably almost bad film. There are things that I admire of it, one of them being Cecil D. DeMille loves the circus. He enjoys the circus so much that he wants to represent it in all of its facets. And that is part of the reason why I had given it like the best director nomination and not just for, boy, Cecil, you did this work. You did, you made something that isn't religious or historical. However, there's a lot of things that are not, that don't quite work. One is the amount of melodrama that's in that film. It's over the top to the point that I really got annoyed with and the characters are almost un unlikable and the acting is also, this just feels too melodramatic for my taste. And, uh, oh yeah, and a lot of the uh, plot points, they are just feels like a lot of them could have just been their own separate movies. I mean, you call yourself the greatest show on earth and yet it's not. And part of that, it asks, I hate to say this, but it does ask for the ridicule. You call yourself the greatest show on earth for that reason. Oh, and uh, one specific moment is uh, that just really got on my nerves is after the train scene, when you had one of the characters complain about her broken teeth. And it's like, I'm sorry, lady, but the animals are on the loose. There are people injured even sitting right next to you and the owner is literally on the verge of dying. And what do you hold, what, what do you complain about? Your teeth. It's like, I'm, I'm done with this movie. But of course, knowing how there was like 10 minutes left in it, it's like, okay, I better watch this. Um, yeah, I agreed on all those points. It would be a fine children's film if it wasn't two and a half hours long. I think it's even longer. It might be even longer than that, but it's the length that got me. It's harmless enough, but there's just nothing interesting about it. It just exists. Yeah. Although I will have to give it for James Stewart for playing the only character that the film made me care about. Fair enough. I, I really, I mean, his performance was really fun. Like, I really, it, you can tell, like, how much he enjoyed clowning around uh, on the stage or, like, on the set. But, yeah, that film did not need to be two and a half hour long. I feel like, here's the thing. I feel like the Academy 
wanted to celebrate Cecil B. DeMille and knowing that maybe he didn't have much long to live or something. Like yeah. They thought, oh, this would, look, he has this film that isn't like religious or historical. It's about going to the circus. Everybody loves going to the circus. Let's nominate it for like a, a handful of Academy Awards. Oh, and it also helped that Cecil B. DeMille was anti-communist. So it's like, yeah. hey, we're rewarding something that that's not in line with communism. Yay! <laughs> uh, yeah. That they're perfectly in line for them to like, hey, this is apolitical enough. Let's just, yeah. It was that. And we don't have to, we can take our minds off of the dangerous commies. Yeah. Oh, yes. That red menace. <laughs> Especially uh, in that Western film, which was allegedly written by someone who's blacklisted. What? Ooh. Yeah. It's like, it's the funny thing is that, I mean, there was a, uh, there was a tweet recently of what is like one of the most like, I believe it's like one of the mo most WTF like wins. And a lot of people had said like greatest show on earth winning best picture. And I've seen people like defend like Shakespeare in love winning best picture and even one person defending crash, which I think didn't give an explanation for, but of all the time that I've explored on film Twitter, I've not seen one person defend the greatest show on Earth's win. That is just how bad. And Gabe, I have a quick question for you. Yeah. Did you uh, select me for 1952 just so I could watch a bad Best Picture winner because I dodged the bullet on watching Cavalcade for 33? Um, I don't. I I, I don't usually have that. No, I didn't. Uh, I wouldn't do that. <laughs> okay, because I was going to say, it's like, it's purely coincidental about that. <laughs> For two of the episodes, we talk about a bad Best Picture winner, but honestly, from what you had described to me in that episode, I'm still glad I had watched The Greatest Show on Earth. I mean, I mean, it's basically a whole buttload of variety of popcorn. One being cotton candy flavored, another being birthday cake flavored, and caramel flavored. Because lately I've been describing the film as food and that's what I think of whenever I think of the greatest show on earth. It doesn't make, doesn't always work, but you know what, it's harmless enough. And you know what, if you enjoy it, you enjoy it. Yeah. So, I guess, um, do we have any final thoughts on this year as a whole? So, I do think that this is a good year in film. When I was watching uh, films from this year, I was struck by how much of a cash-in. As in, uh, like, there was a lot of films that felt like there were retreads of, like, uh, ideas that had originated in like years prior. So like, for example, there was films like The Star uh, starring Betty Davis, which 
was immediately I saw it as a ripoff of Sunset Boulevard. But then even films that I thought were immune to this, like say High Noon, also utilized trends that had existed in, in the few years prior. Like having a very odd music score for High Noon, which the third man obviously has probably one of the weirdest music scores there ever is. But I think High Noon also kind of took that and made it a little more palatable. But it's still experimental as it all is. Yeah, definitely. Like, yeah, I agree with all those points. And it is um, something recurring where the past keeps showing up and like these newer uh, trailblazing feature films that we see um, along the way. Like we see a film like in the 1960s we have films that called back to the films that laid the ground for uh, for that. Um, not sure if I can give specific examples, but if you know, you know. Yeah, I, I understand where you're coming from. Um, I guess with all that said, um, thank you, Emily, for once again appearing on this podcast. It's always so much fun discussing films with you. Indeed, and I do have a couple questions for you. Ask away. All right. The first question is, and this is something I've been asking on the uh, on the on your Twitter page, is in your opinion, what are the best two seconds of films from 1952? Um uh, that's hard. I guess you can just go with any two seconds from singing in the rain. Like Take a two-second clip from Donald Cotter making those wacky expressions. <laughs> oh, definitely. Yeah. Yeah, my two seconds would be uh, Gene Kelly on the lamppost. He's just so happy. Just speak. Oh, yeah, that would be, that would be mine. Awesome. As the most indelible enduring image from Singing in the Rain, in my opinion. Oh, absolutely. Guys, just just full of joy. It's like, how can you not be sad while watching this? And the other question was something that I had asked you uh, a little, probably a few days ago. Since in the actual 1952 ceremony, they actually had awarded Gloria Graham in for her performance in *The Bad and the Beautiful*, which her performance is less than ten minutes. So. I had that. So my question is, what would your be? What would your nominations be for best performance in a movie that is ten minutes or less? Um, from this year. Yes, from this year. It's really hard to say. Like, I would have to. I'm not sure I could answer that. It's just too hard to say. Like, I would have to sit down, think of, like, who had 
uh, less than 10 minutes. And yeah, sorry, but I'm not sure if I can like, give a concrete answer to that. Oh, that's understandable. I mean, I can make, I can just uh, make my own, I have my own nominations. Just like, that's a little foundation. So me personally, my nominations would have been uh, Ned Glass from The Bad and the Beautiful, Elaine Stewart from The Bad and the Beautiful, Lon Chaney Jr. from High Noon, Rita Marino from Singing in the Rain, and Robert Wagner from With a Song in My Heart. I guess I would have gone with those. Yeah, definitely. And, and of course, I have to reveal, I might as well reveal my winner, and that would be uh, Rita Marino from Singing in the Rain. Yes. And she barely has any lines, but it's like, whatever, whenever she's on screen, she makes the most of it. And I'm just, I'm just happy to be there. And she, she just loves every moment of it. <sighs> so, um, with that said, um, how can we find you on social media, Ali? So, you can find me on Twitter. You can find me at EJB0092 under Emily Blakowski Malik. You can also find me on Instagram with em- at Emily underscore Blakowski. And you can also find uh, book reviews by a chick who reads everything not only on the website, but also on the book reviews who uh, by a chick who reads everything Facebook page. And also check out my latest reviews of, I went down to New Orleans recently. And so check out the bookstores that I had stopped by while I was there. Nice. So you can find me on Twitter at Gabe the Joker. You can find me on Instagram at my name, Gabe Warren. And on Letterboxd at Mr. Fulo. Um, you can find the Patreon page for this uh, for this podcast at Alternate Oscars. And uh, be sure to follow the Twitter account for Alternate Oscars at Alternate Oscars. And beyond that, be sure to rate and review this podcast for visibility's sake and subscribe through your choice of server. Until the next episode, sit back and relax, choose and enjoy, and thank you for listening to the alternate Oscars.